BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Natural disasters happen every year all across the country, changing the lives of those directly affected forever. Just look at this year's hurricanes or the deadly and destructive wildfires in California. But there's also an indirect effect to these disasters that ripple across the country and hit the wallet of nearly every American. Clark Schwears joins us today from BDO to break down how weather and natural disasters have lasting impacts for millions well after the rebuilding has begun and in some cases fully completed. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. Clark, thank you for joining us. Dr. Shepard, good to be with you today. You no, know, you know, we've had quite a share of uh, disasters here in 2017 alone. When I think about Hurricane Florence, Hurricane Michael, and as we're taping this, dramatic and historic wildfires in California. Uh, I don't I don't think that people often sort of get that these disasters have an immediate impact on the economy in their lives, but also lasting impacts on those kitchen table issues as well. So I want to get into all of that with you today. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about what you do and about your company. Sure, Dr. Shepard, an honor to be with you today. So I lead BDO's forensic insurance and recovery practice in the United States. And our group of professionals, we assist companies in recovering from disaster incidents by achieving financial recovery from insurance companies, governmental bodies, and other available sources. Now, we were talking a little bit before we began, and I was mentioning that I'm very familiar with sort of the reinsurers and the reinsurance industry and weather and natural disasters. But from what you told me, you're on the other side of that. Tell us a little bit about how that's related. Sure, Dr. Shepard. Yeah. So so what, what I do and what my colleagues do is we work on behalf of companies in helping them to evaluate and to achieve financial recovery after disasters occur around the globe. And so we are working on behalf of the companies in really seeing what the the devastating impacts, not only to companies, but equally to the employees and also to eventually downstream to the consumers. Yeah. And I think one of the key metrics that we often talk about in the U.S. or even the global economy is something called the gross domestic product or GDP. I think people, when they hear that term, they immediately think economics or think economy. Uh, The National Weather Service of the United States falls under the, the Department of Commerce. And clearly with the type of work that you do, there's a reason. Talk a little bit about GDP and the sort of generic relationships between weather, disasters and the economy. Sure, and that's that's a, a very important question because if you think about it, um, many folks don't have the full appreciation of what the impact of weather can be on wallets. And those wallets can be consumers' wallets, they can be companies' wallets, and they can also be the taxpayers' and the governmental wallets. And so GDP, obviously being gross domestic product, is an important um area to to really look into in terms of how well a certain economy is 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 growing 
And what we've seen from, for instance, in 2017 with Harvey and Irma as an example, that had a very material impact on our country's ability to grow. And estimates had that that had an impact of between 0.4 to 0.8 reduction in the GDP. And so that's that's very material for um, you know for for the for our economy. Yeah, I, th- I think there are some very recent examples fresh in people's minds, and I want to start with Hurricane Michael. Hurricane Michael was a storm that made landfall in the panhandle of Florida, uh, strongest hurricane to make landfall that, in that region in, in recent decades and perhaps in history, of at least from a record-keeping standpoint. Uh, what were the? How bad was it in the Florida panhandle? I want to talk about Georgia, too, because I wrote something in Forbes about the impacts to agriculture in Georgia. But before we get there, I want to start with the panhandle. Sure. I mean, clearly, as as many folks are aware, the Florida panhandle is uh, is, you know, has some it, tourism is a is a critical industry for that area um, and tourism, including restaurants, including hotels, including car rentals and, and and stores throughout that area. And so this storm had a very material impact. You suggested, Dr. Shepard, that this was, and indeed it was, one of the, the, the largest storms to hit the United States mainland in some time. And that had a very material impact on on the economy down in the Florida panhandle and as you suggested really throughout the southeast and frankly throughout our country. Yeah, and I think even globally as well if I think about some of those uh, commodities that were impacted perhaps. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of the panhandle, I mean clearly there were structural damages. I've seen images of uh, buildings destroyed, uh, flooded areas from storm surge and whatnot. Um, in a landfall environment like a Panama City or I guess a Mexico, I guess Mexico City Beach, uh, what would be the most sort of sort of common economic damages or, or immediate impacts to the economy locally and perhaps regionally or nationally? Well, really, you need to kind of split into two two separate buckets. There's clearly the significant damage to infrastructure and, and all of us, um, you know, those those those. Uh, images are, are vividly in our minds in terms of seeing the roads and the bridges and the other infrastructure that has been significantly damaged down there. Yeah. Additionally, of course, there is the, the damages to the businesses and not only just the physical damage, but the economic damages. And you know, many times, Dr. Shepard, what you see in incidents like this is there's an infusion of economic activity after the disasters are, are um are, are coming to an end. And so in that situation, you have a lot of uh, folks that are down there, whether it's insurance adjusters, whether it's governmental uh, officials. And so you see that an immediate infusion of dollars, but the but equally important is what happens over the medium and long term. And so businesses down there are clearly struggling. People are struggling. And, you know, it's it's incumbent upon all of us to try to help out in any way we can. Yeah, it's it's really a sad situation there. Um, our thoughts and, and prayers are out there to everyone impacted by any of these storms that we're talking about today. Um, you know, when I look at Florida, you know, I went to school at Florida State University, so I'm very aware of the tourism uh, there in Panama City. And it's just a, f- a popular destination for people in that region, but also nationally. I mean, how do how does a 
a, a region that significantly depends on one industry or is heavily dependent upon one sort of sector of the industry. How do they recover from that? I mean, is, I mean, is insurance enough or do you have to rethink your business models? I mean, I, I just, I'm interested in your thoughts on someone that, as someone that thinks about this. Sure. Well, it, insurance is clearly one vehicle to help get through the immediacy of, of, uh, of an incident like that. And government also plays a very important role. And, and so in trying to encourage tourists to, to come back to these particular regions, you know, one of the most uh, amazing things about the country, Dr. Shepard, that both of us live in is the resiliency of each of us and in each of the Americans and, and wanting to help each other out. And so there's been example after example after these weather incidents where Americans have pulled together and, and revisited these areas. And there's, there's no better way to help um, each other than to actually go down there and to visit and go enjoy the beaches and go enjoy the restaurants and the, and the hotels and, and all of that. And so there's, that's the, the, the kind of intersection between the insurance that is there to help provide and get, get folks back up on their feet. And equally, medium and long term, it's, it's getting um, folks to, to go back to that area and to help out those that have been so, uh, so impacted. Do you, I, I, you know, after Michael and I heard this same discussion after Hurricane Katrina and others, uh, there are always these discussions about rebuilding and how much should be rebuilt or should we rebuild smarter? Uh, do you weigh into any of that discussion with an opinion from your, your uh, perspective? So uh, clearly, um, not necessarily from my expertise angle, but but what I have seen over the years, and I've been doing this particular work for over 20 years now, is that when you have uh, building codes that have improved or been mandated, it has a, a very material impact on the level of damage that is sustained. Now, frankly, I think all of us uh, can appreciate the fact that, you know, that that will never be able to build to withstand any type of catastrophe type of event. But there, those types of mandates and, and codes do play an important part in, in helping communities to be able to recover. But there is a cost associated with that. And so in, cer- in certain instances, that can get very, very costly to be able to withstand certain levels of winds or withstand certain levels of, of water inundation. And so it's a it's clearly a balancing effort between cost versus versus risk. Yeah. And we're talking to Clark Schweers of BDO about the sort of cost of natural disasters, particularly some of the weather-related disasters that we have seen uh, here in 2018. Now we've been talking about uh, the panhandle damages from Hurricane Michael. One of the interesting things about this particular storm, Michael, and something that we as meteorologists were concerned about, it was a really strong storm and it was moving fast. And that indicated that it would still be a strong storm inland and places like Mariana, Florida and in the southwest Georgia. And in fact, indeed, Georgia suffered significant damage, particularly to its agricultural infrastructure. I live in Georgia, so I had to write about it in Forbes because I was devastated to see what was happening to my fellow uh, members of the state. Let's talk about some of the inland impacts and the economic impacts to Georgia. Let's first t- start with cotton, because that's a very important ca- crop here in the state and, and took a big hit. 
Yeah, it sure did. And and you're exactly right, Dr. Shepard. I mean, you know, when we, when we were just talking about the building codes and the mandates that uh, that have in terms of the wind damage and, and the wind resiliency of, of these building products, you know, that, that same level that might exist on the coast and throughout our country in many areas, but it just doesn't it, it doesn't uh, it's not that same level of of mandate when you get more into the interior sections of our of our of our country. And so Georgia is a is a prime example of that. I mean, you had a major storm uh, that uh, that really held on to its characteristics and, and went into southern Georgia and did significant damage to the cotton industry and to, you know, to, to the farmers that were uh, producing. Yeah. And, and, and do you have any hard numbers on the, the, the cotton industry and the trade war uh, impacts. So I don't want to get too much into that. That's kind of political, but I want to sort of understand how this impacts sort of the trading and the back and forth as uh, we are a leading producer here in the state of Georgia of cotton. Well, you're, you're exactly right. And, uh, and, and clearly there's a, a couple of things that are intersecting at the, at the same time. Um, you know, the, the, the tariffs and what's going on internationally, but specifically related to, to Hurricane Michael, it had a, a very material impact on, on, on the industry. And clearly there was an increase in, in pricing associated with that. And equally, there was a, a real devastation in terms of the 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 crops down there. Yeah, and I, and, and I, in my notes from the producers, uh, there were some indications that there were some things going on with China at the same time as, as as we took this hit. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, and then you know, China is one of the the primary importers of U.S. cotton, and so there is a you know a large volume of of cotton that uh, in terms of future contracts they were looking out into 2019 and 2020. And so, I mean, just to give you a sense, that was a uh, you know enough to to make about 400 million T-shirts. And um, with some of the political um, tariffs and other discussions that are happening here. Uh, that had a uh, could have and have a material impact on the ability to uh, to to import that cotton and what price that gets imported at in in China. And so, and 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 in terms of the consumer, it really just comes down to price because cotton is in a lot of things that we consume or use. And so, ultimately, I mean, a basic sort of supply and demand, I, I guess, that always impacts price. Is that right? No, you're exactly you're exactly right. So you have the the tariffs uh, clearly from a political side, and then from a Hurricane Michael perspective, you know, the, it's suggesting estimated there's about eight hundred million dollars of losses related to, uh, to to cotton. And so, you know, between those two factors hitting at the exact same time, uh, that can have a really material impact on the cotton industry. And as you suggested, Doctor Shepard, cotton is in everything, and so. Um, whether it's your, you know, all kinds of different clothing and, and things like that could be could be materially impacted. What about timber? Uh, timber took a big hit in, in our state as well. Talk about the timber effect. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as as you suggested, with the wind speeds that came through there and, and had material impact on on many of uh, many of the lumber in, in in timber throughout southern Georgia, but not just in terms of the the actual timber and the trees themselves. It also impacted 
uh, several of the major producers uh, in, in that area. So it really it, it impacted the raw material of timber, it impacted the producers, and then it impacted actually cardboard manufacturers and other manufacturers using that uh, the, 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 the lumber downstream and upstream. Right. And so it, it really has um, it really has um, impacted significantly that entire industry. And another industry, and it's one that I'm very familiar with because I used to drive that route uh, from Atlanta to Tallahassee, Florida, on route in route to Florida State University as a student. Pecans or pecans, depending on where you from, hmm. are from. Uh, I, I know all along that corridor there from sort of Cordell down to Thomasville, big pecan or pecan country, and they were devastated as well. Talk a little bit about the, the losses in that industry. Sure. In terms of the, the pecan industry, the estimates is about $560 million in losses. And um, Southern Georgia is a, a huge producer and, and supplier of pecans. And so going into uh, going into the Thanksgiving season here, uh, you know, clearly any type of shortage and, and increase in pecans is going to be felt in, the, in the, the tables of Americans throughout the United States. But equally more long term, it's very concerning because it can take quite a while uh, for the pecans to tree to be able to producing the nuts. And so this really could have a material impact for, for years to come. Yeah, no, it's, we're talking with uh, Clark Schweers of BDO Global. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're back on the Weather Geeks podcast, and I want to now pivot the discussion to Hurricane Florence, which was another disaster that we've seen here in the United States in 2018. A bit different from Hurricane Michael, which was really a sort of traditional wind event as far as a landfalling hurricane, whereas Florence weakened but sat there for days and produced feet of rainfall. So it was a massive inland flooding event. Uh, What industries were most impacted by Hurricane Florence? Sure. So, um, you know, clearly there was also the the tourism was it was impacted in Wilmington and in Nags Head and throughout the coast uh, from a from a food perspective and from an agricultural perspective, the shrimp industry, the chickens, the turkeys, hogs. I mean, North Carolina has a, a very, very strong agribusiness. And so um, the Florence had had material impacts throughout several different industries. Can you talk a little bit about I, I heard all types of numbers out there in terms of loss of chicken and hogs. Do you, do you have any accurate counts on how many were lost? Well, it, it, on the chicken side, it's clearly in the millions. Uh, and so, it, you know, what I've heard, Dr. Shepard, is that um, Hurricane Matthew, that I know you're very familiar with, that uh, occurred several years back in North Carolina, that devastated North Carolina, and, and many folks thought that that was a storm for the ages. Well, unfortunately, with Hurricane Florence, um, it's a storm for the ages times two. And, and in that regard, 
um, the number of livestock and and poultry that were impacted was tremendous, and so they're they're measuring in the millions uh, in terms of the the impact, and that's in terms of uh, the the products and in the hundreds of millions in terms of the economic damages to the to the various industries. Yeah, no, it's again, and people eat poultry. Um, they actually eat quite a bit of pork, uh, seafood. And you talk about things like mussels, clams, flounder, oysters. And I believe also, if I go back to Hurricane Michael for a second, I know from having spent many years in the panhandle of Florida that that part of Florida is a big producer of oysters there in the Apalachicola Bay and whatnot. So uh, these are all things that consumers will feel you know, with their, when there's a shortage of supply, right, in terms of their prices that they're paying. They sure will. They'll they'll feel them at the grocery store when uh, when when we're walking down those aisles, and we'll feel them when we go out to to restaurants and 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 we eat. The sheer amount of water that Hurricane Florence uh, produced, and um, you know that 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 impacts that uh, it had on the shellfish and the oysters, and as you suggested, on many of the hog farms and on the chicken coops and, and houses. It was it was very significant and very material. And I know that this area of the Atlantic is also a big fisheries area, particularly for things like fluke and mackerel, bass, bluefish. Uh, how is that impacted? I mean, I, you, you, the storm obviously is barreling through this part of the Atlantic Ocean. And so I'm, I could see how it would certainly impact the uh, fishermen, uh, fishing community, I should say, its ability to get out there. But are there any other impacts that uh, are tangible that we notice? Well, you know, throughout this, you know, with that amount of fresh water that was flowing into the oceans and, you know, that really impacted the, the quality of many of the different um, shellfish that you, that you just talked about. And, and so not only is it um, an availability issue, but it's also in terms of the weight uh, of, of, those, uh, of those products. And so... Um, as you suggested, there are many types of fish that will will be impacted, and 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 so we should expect each of us should expect that 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 price will be um, will be borne by the consumers um, when when we go out and, and we and we eat. We are talking with Clark Schweers about the impacts of 2018 hurricanes, wildfires, and such. One of the interesting things with Florence with all the rain, and uh, I read something about the fact that shrimp were being pushed out of rivers prematurely by all the rain. And what's that about? That's just something that's fascinating to me because I, I like shrimp, but I'd never heard of this particular sort of sensitivity to rain. Yeah, I mean that's you're 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 exactly right. Um, the the shrimp industry, you know, typically your your large shrimp are going for five and a quarter or five seventy five a pound, and you know with the uh, with the impacts from Hurricane Florence, they really had a uh, um, an impact both in terms of the size and also um, that the sheer volume of shrimp that was uh, available, and so. Um, you're really seeing that, and, and we're all seeing that in terms of some of the pricing that's already started to make its make its way to the to the receipts um, at the grocery store and at the at the at the at the restaurants. Something that we 
perhaps didn't think as much about for uh, Florence, I could certainly see how this would be relevant to Hurricane Michael in the Gulf of Mexico is the oil and gas industry. Now, you know, from what I understand about the sort of Gulf of Mexico, there are a lot of oil rigs out there. And when hurricanes come through, the companies have to evacuate, uh, get those people off those oil rigs because they're vulnerable. Um, What's the connection to Florence and oil and gas? Well, Dr. Shepard, I think it's you're exactly right. I mean, we all remember painfully how um, how much prices rose uh, after hurricanes Katrina and Ike and, and any of those storms that impact the refineries down uh, on the Gulf Coast. Uh, the reality is, is that, uh, and this is a good, good thing for all of us, is our economy is doing really, really well right now. And so any disruption uh, perceived or actual to supply of any type of commodities or to refineries or to demand in terms of for for oil and gas can have a ripple impact. And so where traditionally we would see that impact, as you suggested, within the Gulf Coast area, now what we're starting to see, it was very short-lived, but we're starting to see when there is any type of supply chain disruption, it really can have a material impact uh, throughout our country. And so that's really what, uh, you know, how, how that manifested itself. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's something that our Weather Geeks listeners probably learned today. It's certainly, certainly something I learned. Uh, before I leave Florence and move on to the wildfires that are impacting California, uh, there are quite a bit, as we noted earlier, of chicken, turkey, and hogs in that part of the Carolinas. And there was an issue with waste lagoons overflowing because they cause contamination and can lead to things like salmonella and E. coli. How does that find its way into the sort of economic or insurance space? Sure, yeah. And and, and I think when with those lagoons and with that pollution that has impacted the rivers and the creeks um, throughout North and South Carolina, the government made some directives that basically suggested that any of the, the products that uh, that have been impacted by those waters uh, need to be destroyed. And so in doing that, that had a uh, an impact on uh, the availability of 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 product out there. And so it wasn't just on, you know, if there was standing water from rain on the fields, that was okay. But if there was any indication that the rivers or the creeks or any of the other bodies had overflowed and they had gotten some of those contaminations from the lagoons and other sources that really that 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 product could not be used so that's a that's that's a that's a real impact to the industries and a real impact to consumers and lastly because we're not US centric when it comes to hurricanes or related uh, disasters you suggest that even some of the activity in the Western Pacific, the typhoons, places like Philippines and whatnot, can also have an impact on what your industry is thinking about. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And there's been many examples of that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we've seen as an overall worldwide society is that uh, we're all coming together and we're, we're, we're really one, in essence, global economy at this point in time. And so if you, if you think about Asia, much of the, the technology component manufacturing is happening within the Philippines and Taiwan and China. And, and so impacts um, on the, the Far East 
uh, clearly are, are making its way across the oceans and impacting those that are that are going out for the holiday season and, and making those purchases. And so this year has been a, an unbelievably active year uh, throughout Asia in terms of the typhoons. And so those impacts, whether it's from um, semiconductor industry or from the television or from the the, the, the wireless and the telephone, that's something to really look out for. And they, they did have good supplies going into it, but there are some key manufacturers that did sustain some levels of damage. And so it's something to, for us all to, to, to look out for. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia talking with Clark Schleers about all of the impacts on commodities, the economy, GDP related to 2018 natural disasters. I want to shift now because we are as we are taping this on November 12th, there are major wildfires happening in both northern and southern California. And there are impacts on lumber and construction costs, the wine and grape industry, the film industry. Let's just break down the impacts of all three of those. Sure. So, it, Dr. Shepard, it is, is, you know, unfortunately, and it is absolutely devastating the pictures and the stories that that each of us are hearing from and, and being a California native, my, my heart goes out to all the folks that are out there. Um, yeah. Uh, it, us too, from the weather channel and from all of the folks here in Georgia, it's just devastating. Uh, you know, we're, we're all Americans first. So when we are suffering in one part of the country, we all feel it too. Could not have been said better. And so from an, from an economic perspective, uh, this, the, the story of the wildfires really continue and the wildfires seem to be getting more and more um, ferocious in their intensity, their frequency, their severity. And so you've highlighted a few of the industries uh, that, that continually get impacted. Um, you know, that, that goes back several years in terms of the, the, the wine industry in particular uh, that have, has, has really felt the brunt of many of the, the wildfires that have happened from several years ago. And they're still feeling that today in terms of the loss of grapes, the loss of the vines. And so that is, is we all can appreciate, that's, a, that's an important industry for the state of California. And you, 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 I think you told someone or, that the cost of replanting a single acre uh, of grapes is fifteen dollars to $25,000? It's a big number. It's, yeah. a, it's an absolutely big number. And so, um, you know, it's, it, it's critically important for all of the, the, the farmers out there to, um, you know, to, to really try to recover as best they can from, from these devastating wildfires. What about the price of building new homes? How, do, how, how does that relate to these wildfires? Sure. Well, I, you know, it's it's really all in together in terms of you know we've talked earlier in this uh, discussion about GDP and and we're seeing the the U.S. economy that's doing very well right now and so construction is up. Um, go to many of our cities across this great land and you'll see cranes all over the place and new housing that's being developed. 
And so it really goes back to a, a concept that I, that I brought up earlier in terms of the supply and demand. And the supply of, of, of new homes is, uh, is, is, is trying as best it can to keep up with the demand uh, that exists right now. And so any of these disruptions that, that can happen both on the West Coast and the Southeast, in the Mid-Atlantic, and, and anywhere in between are really having a, um, um, a sizable impact on the overall construction pricing. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think many people associate the film industry with California, particularly Southern California, although we we here in Georgia have our share now of Hollywood activity, too. What are the impacts on the film industry? Well, there's several of the the, the production houses have have come out and and made suggestions as to uh, delays in in filming. Uh, There was a couple of, of sets that were that were impacted. Uh, and so, you know, it, it really is very far reaching in terms of the uh, the impacts to to that industry. Right. So this just illustrates we're, we're talking to Clark Schweers about the impacts of uh, recent hurricanes and fires and other disasters on the economy and people's bottom line kitchen table issues. So I want to now pivot the discussion. Are there things that we or businesses can do to plan for these ripples? For example, with these hog farms or poultry farms in the Carolinas, we saw this exact same thing with Hurricane Matthew. Uh, is, is it not cost effective to think about mitigation strategies or do these things happen so infrequently that it's not worth the investments for a company to sort of pre- prevent this with adaptation or mitigation? strategies well that's that's the main question right now and that's there's a there's a healthy debate in terms of um, there's been a trend of consumers and residents to wanting to be on the coast and to building on the coast there's been a trend of of businesses to want to be where people want to live and so um, in certain areas of our country uh, land is scarce and so there is a, a lot of building and and uh, activities that are occurring in areas that are prone to certain levels of of impact from from natural disasters. Uh, There's also something else clearly that's going on here, and that is, you know, Dr. Shepard, I'm a numbers person, uh, and in in looking at numbers and in studying the the numbers on a a day-in and day-out basis, you have some of the most devastating storms that have ever impacted our country that have occurred within the last three to five years. So are and you so, suggesting that uh, that we are seeing an increase in the sort of severity or intensity and perhaps in some cases for some events, frequency uh, from climate change? Yeah, I don't know if it's specifically on, on climate change, but what I can definitely say is it's something. And, uh, that, so you, that is, yeah, I think that the, the literature would suggest that there there's certainly something going on. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, people will call it different things. But what you're suggesting is based on the numbers, you see something going on. There is something that's, that's absolutely going on. And, and I, I think all of us can agree on that because it, the, those, those numbers are, are call, are cold, hard facts. Well, I, you know, as a scientist that consumes the peer reviewed literature, I can even suggest that I, and as someone that actually served on a national Academy of sciences panel that looked at this topic very carefully about two years ago, I mean, there's definitely some DNA based on the scientific literature, at least to some of the current generation of extreme weather events. So I, I, I do know that there's sort of debate and speculation and political innuendo, but from a science perspective, the scientists are starting to suggest, and based on research uh, that the national Academy 
academies and the AMS and the AGU, there is some linkage to these extreme events. So how does that impact the type of work that you do? Let's just say for a second, we don't know what's causing it, even although I think there's the science evidence that suggests that we think we know. But irrespective of causation, how does your industry account for these changes? Well, if, if you think about it to, to the point that you just raised, I mean, if you look at the top five largest economic impacts in, in our country's history, you had Katrina, which was in 2005 at $165 billion. And then you had Hurricane Harvey last year at $127 billion. Hurricane Maria at $91 billion last year. Hurricane Sandy in 2012 at $72 million. And Irma at $51 billion in 2017. So if you think about that, over the last five to six years, five, you know, many of your, your largest economic impacts have occurred um, during that particular period of time. And if, even if you just look at the, the FEMA appropriations that was, that was done, which was a record year in 2017, $130 billion was appropriated uh, by Congress to, to FEMA. And so it, let's assume, Dr. Shepard, for one moment, there, moment, there's about 320 million Americans. And so uh, the statistics would suggest that about half of Americans pay federal income taxes. So that's 160 million people. So doing the math there, that suggests just for 2017, that was $812 per U.S. taxpayer that's going towards paying for these disasters. And so for a family of four, that's $3,200. That's real money. Right. But what about the those that say, well, part of the reason we're seeing these more recent inflated or high numbers because of disasters is just because things cost more now. Are there more expensive things in the way of these storms? And, there, and there's certainly some peer review literature that suggests that that's the case as well. Well, it, it, there, there is there is no doubt that, as I suggested earlier, is that there has been a trend towards Americans wanting to live in on the coast, and they're building on the coast. There, um, a, a lot of the entertainment venues and tourism venues are are right there on the coast, and so that has a um, a material impact. But if you look at it in in the statistics that I was throwing out, was to to basically do that from the standpoint of uh, cost adjusted. And so we're really comparing apples to apples when I look at those statistics of the economic impacts of, of the storms that have occurred in today's dollars. And so there is, there is an argument to be said that there is, that trend has, has occurred, but equally, um, I, I don't think that there's an argument uh, around the fact that these storms uh, are, are coming more frequently and the severity of them are something that we have not seen over the over the history of our great country. Yeah, I think the key thing from the scientific standpoint is that uh, the intensity is where most of the peer review literature is uh, fairly consensus in that when we do get these storms, there's a, a tendency for them to be stronger. The, the jury's still out even in the science on the frequency of them, but I guess the key point is when they happen, they're big and they're strong, and so that has an impact on uh, aspects of the economy. We're drawing to a close here. Uh, what type of natural disasters and have the biggest ripple effect in the economy? Is it is it always a hurricane or is it sometimes a flood or does it just depend? 
You know, you know, clearly uh, and for rightful reasons, uh, there is a lot of attention that is placed on the major storms and whether that is uh, the hurricanes or the major flooding that occurs. But um, the, the reality is, is that there is smaller events that are happening almost on a weekly basis throughout our great country. And, and those can have just as a material impact on the local towns and communities as to where that is has uh, has occurred. And so it's really a balancing in, in trying to understand what is the, 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 the future that looks like in terms of how to prevent as best, best we can that these storms uh, from from occurring from, from the standpoint of mitigation activities and building codes, et cetera, and equally if and when these storms do occur, how best to protect the assets and to get the businesses and get the residents back uh, as quickly as possible. And we are really getting close to the end here, and I've really enjoyed this discussion, but I couldn't leave without asking you, uh, are companies hiring meteorologists and modelers to answer these types of questions? Are there opportunities in the world that you operate in for people that may be listening to this that are either studying weather, climate, or environmental uh, impacts? Um, just give us a little insight on your industry from that perspective. Sure, Dr. Shepard, and, and you're exactly right. And the, the, the industry of meteorology has, has never been more bright in terms of the impacts and, and on each of us and the importance of this industry. You know, our discussion today has really been on, you know, how weather is impacting your wallet and your wallet being either a consumer wallet, a business wallet, or a governmental wallet. And I think over the course of this discussion, we've seen that the extreme weather is having a, a very material impact on that. And so businesses and insurance companies and governments are really reaching out and trying to use data analytics and use modeling uh, and use um, you know, the expertise that exists on from an engineering side in teaming it with the knowledge that you and your colleagues bring in terms of trying to figure out what strategies can be employed to, tr to mitigate and to, to lessen the impact of these events in the future. And so it's, it's an, a really exciting time for meteorology in, in general. And I think that's where we're going to have to end it today. Thank you, Clark Schweers, for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Mm -hmm.